Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HBIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HBIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HBIC are pursuing discipleship, in other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, I am sharing part two of my conversation with Patrick Cicero about money, about uh, economic justice um, for individuals and communities. This week, we get more into uh, what that specifically and practically could mean for our church or for any church. And as you'll hear, um, Patrick is zeroing in specifically on what this means, what we ought to expect from uh, those in our churches who have an abundance of material means, you know, what what, it, what are the dynamics involved there and what does that have to do with economic justice? I don't want to say more than that. Um, it's a really provocative, um, thought-provoking conversation that I think will provoke your thoughts. So uh, enjoy it. So can we turn then and talk more concretely about how exactly communally you would want to see our church engaging um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we have to ask, I, well, I think there are a number of ways in which we can do this, right? There, um, uh, you know, one particular way that we need to do this is we, first of all, need to be far more comfortable sharing information, sharing our financial lives with each other, right? Um, uh, and, and not, I don't mean just like our checkbooks, but I mean like the complicated nature of our living situations or the bills we have to pay or, uh, the money we have or don't have. Um, and the reason I think that needs to be an open book, um, is that it creates opportunities for people with, uh, more than they need to share with people who have less than they need. Without the um, kind of uh, you know uh, kind of corollary of like benevolence and you know a recipient of of charity and generosity, like can we create this kind of authentic community? How do we share amongst ourselves? And the only way we can like we do this really well when it comes to like our like emotional burdens, right? We're always free to share the needs that we have, right? Let people pray for us, come alongside of us and support us. We do a very bad job about it when we talk about our financial burdens or our financial blessings, right? We talk about prayer warriors all the time. We don't talk about people who, you know, have oodles of money that they just want to give to other people, mm. right? You know, and so how do we create pathways for that? And that's an interesting, an interesting kind of conversation. But at the same time, as we, as we kind of move forward in that, right, recognizing that the solution is not always, um, you know, as I just talked about at the beginning of this, you know, taking money and paying off debts. The solution is when you come into a relationship with people, you recognize what's going on. You say, you know what? I'm going to get you the resources you need to kind of overcome that while we walk alongside together to get your financial life straightened out. And while we're doing that, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to support you emotionally, spiritually, and financially, right? So that we can get you out from underneath the oppression of this system. That looks like a relationship, right? That looks like kind of um, walking with people through life as opposed to, you know, creating terms and conditions about 
okay, somebody's coming back to the deacons fund again. You know, we gave them money last month. I'm not sure we should give them money this month. Instead of asking the question, why are they coming back, right? If we gave them money last month, why are they coming back this month? Um, and I think the the embedded assumption is that um, either they're not being responsible or they just don't have enough money or this is a, this is a you know, never-ending problem that we're not going to solve as opposed to un- resolving that underlying um, problem and kind of creating a, a, a set of resources to say to folks, all right, you know, we're going to we're going to pay two thousand dollars to get you a bankruptcy lawyer, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, pay five hundred dollars a month for this onerous debt. Right. So it is predicated. Uh, I want to. I don't want to say ironically. Interestingly, it is predicated on a specific relational dynamic that's happening in the church, or ought to be happening in the church. And you're saying, you're saying a lot of things. One of the things you're saying is, what typically happens in our relational dynamics. We need to just expand that circle to include um, honesty and openness about our finances with one another, Um, including sharing our finances. Uh, I mean, sharing the details of our finances and then literally um, sharing and pooling resources with one another as necessary. And then the relational aspect of it also comes in in the walking alongside, the advocacy, the rather than just having a, a benevolence fund that's kind of this impersonal thing that money's coming into and out of. Well, let's be honest. It's right. transactional. I mean, the right. benevolence fund is transactional. Right. A need is met. You're meeting that need with this money. And that is no different than any other, tr- like any other transaction. It, it, it you know, it, and it, it creates, um, uh, it, yeah, it's a transact. It's a it's a it's a one for one. We're giving you this, but you know, next month we're going to make a decision not to or to give you something, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, so it, it it's about uh, creating the trust that is necessary in the context of relationships to say, yeah, we're going to give you this money, but we're going to really work on getting you out of the situation right. that inevitably. And undoubtedly, sometimes involves changing of habits of individuals, so that personal financial responsibility piece. I'm not discounting that as a sure. thing, but it also involves getting them out from mm-hmm. under the yoke of of kind of our oppressive financial system. Yeah. And what that looks like, it has to involve relationships and trust, right? right? Um, and the reason why it needs to be an open book both ways is I think our church needs to hold people like me who have an abundant means accountable for those means in the same way that we hold people who have debt and ask for resources of the church accountable for their personal financial responsibility. So my personal financial responsibility and my accountability to God in this community um, matters as much or more than people who are asking something from this community. Um, and the only way that that's going to happen is if we create a system, a culture, a set of relationships that, that I say, all right, you know, I'm turning over to this group of people a large portion of the decision-making about what it means for me to have so much abundant wealth in this place. Wow. Yeah. Now I want to clip that and put it at the beginning of this podcast. That's... Wow. So, 
So if someone comes to us for money um, out of the benevolence fund, as you're saying, we're going to put conditions on it. It's going to be contingent on certain things. They're going to be held accountable to it, um, for it. In the same way, you over here minding your own business, not asking for anything, ought to be ought to fall under the same light of accountability. Maybe actually, scripturally speaking, maybe more so. Yeah. Uh, maybe you should be held more accountable than the person asking. Um, yeah. Uh, shining the 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 light of um, sanctification and you know tr- transformation of of our lives that's supposed to be happening in this place. Um, shining that light on our finances, um, having that not be an, an off-limits topic, not something we're not forthright about. Um, you know, if we had relational, we, we, we practice relational accountability with a lot of things, but not typically with our finances, um, unless it's a stewardship class to, like, uplift those who are in debt or in these different situations. We don't tend to have, you know, Financial Peace University doesn't tend to be aimed at those with abundant means. Right. Uh, It's not like um, generosity and sacrifice training, right? It's how to create people with abundant means, not to show those people with abundant means what faithful um, financial stewardship looks like. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, um, if you had that model, you know, you or Hank or Linda or what, so any one of my other pastors could come to me and Helena and say, you know what, how are you guys sharing your wealth lately? I mean, you guys have kind of seem to be acquiring more stuff. Tell me about that. I'm worried about your soul, right? I'm worried about the condition of your, of your life and the, you know, and like, we don't do that. We do that if like, if you saw me spiraling into addiction, yeah. right? you know, that would be ultimately harmful to me and my family, you, I hope, would intervene, would say, look, I'm worried about you. What's going on, man? Um, and at the same time, this the, the affluenza that is insidious to our culture, right, um, we don't talk about, we don't diagnose, we don't, we don't say, I'm concerned about this disease. Um, you know, because, like, so, so I, I think that's a real problem. Did you coin, did you coin that term? I did not. Oh, um, I, that is a that is a Michael Moore term. Okay, okay, great. Affluenza. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I would love to. I wish I could hear in real time people's reactions and responses. I mean, one of the my initial things is, man, that would be hard to do. Like, if you get a new Honda, do I like pull you aside and have that conversation, or is it only if you get like an Acura, or a Audi, like at what point do I pull you aside? Like adjudicating, counting someone else's money is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And, and of and course I, it is. And, and so maybe this is where I would, I would say, yes, uh, I love this. I would also say that again, uh, real relational closeness and trust ought to be the context for this happening. Uh, and I actually don't think that me, Hank, or Linda seeing your car in the parking lot and then approaching you in a pastoral meeting would be the necessarily the best way for this to happen. No. Ideally you're walking you're walking in mutuality with other Christians who 
y'all are just in each other's lives to the point where this is something that you're going to be talking about. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And But I also think it's creating a culture where people, like we have a really good culture in this church where people feel comfortable um, talking about their struggles, mm-hmm. their addictions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful, right? Like I think you don't see that in a lot of churches too. I mean, people are not as vulnerable in most communities I've been in as they are in this church. Um, but for those of us who you know, um, kind of have, don't have these transparent addictions or afflictions or kind of the, you know, the, the weight of the world has not brought us down, right? There's not a culture for us to say, for me, for me to necessarily come to, to you and say, you know what, I'm, I, I got a massive raise and I'm concerned about what we're going to do with that money. Can you help me figure this out? Yeah. Whereas if I lost my job, I would come to you and say, you know, I don't know how my family's going to make ends meet, right? I don't like, is there something that the church can do? What's the deal with the food pantry? How do I, you know, so like, how do we create a culture where people with abundance can come and say, I want to share this. I want this to be part of a blessing to our community. How do I do that? Right. And so, you know, we just, we don't, we haven't developed that culture. So, you know, I think it is in, in relationship. I think it's in accountability. I think it's about talking about it more, but it's about reshaping this paradigm yeah. because it is getting back to what I was talking about earlier with my example of the, of the credit card, right? Um, I firmly believe all of the financial blessings, and I use that in air quotes again, um, that I have have been at the expense of others. That's how capitalism works, right? Um, you know, it it you know you gain riches at the oppression of other people, right? And so, like, it's all bad money, right? Um, and so, how do we, as the church, you know, the devil's had it long enough, right? So, how do we, as the church, free each other to say, "I'm giving it all back to God, and I'm trusting the community to help me figure that out." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a bedrock thing we would have to establish is that it is, in fact, all bad money uh, or even just setting aside the critique of our specific um, economic system, reclaiming the idea that there that wealth is spiritually dangerous. Right. Um, Just starting there, which I think would be an, an indisputable, you know, New Testament, um, claim, right? Just let's start with, never mind if it's good or bad. It is, there's, a, there's a spiritual danger to wealth accrual such that if I do get a substantial raise, I ought to have some like concern for myself. And I want to bring that not for all the reasons you're talking about. Yes. Out of responsibility, out of just accountability to the community, to, to um, the spiritual dynamics here, whatever. But there's also just a, there's, you know, there are, there are sin elements wrapped up in wealth, in in personal gain, in all these things that we need to um, acknowledge as a reality, first of all, uh, which would not be a foregone conclusion in a lot of places. I think we have more of the theological resources for it in our tradition, but mm-hmm. there are many, many churches that would categorically disagree with that bedrock assumption um, that that wealth is in any way bad and not just a sign of God's blessing to be used at our discretion. Um, and we don't need to digress into like 
uh, opposing prosperity gospel. We're just going to assume for the sake of this podcast that that's wrong and bad and that there is a spiritual dimension to our, to our stuff, um, to our money. Um, I think what you're saying is, is, is beautiful and compelling. It, if we were going to look at the first five chapters of the book of Acts and say, like, what do we see the church doing? Um, what would typify that community? Um, it would not be hard to make a case that at the top of the list would have been like economic justice being played out in the midst of that community. Yeah. Everything well, had enough. Every, everyone, you know, everyone had enough. Everything was shared. Acts five or the end of Acts four in Acts five, we see they had this practice where people would elect to come forward and to sell their houses and to bring the proceeds for the church to be redistributed as needed. Um, that would be top of the list, I think. And that's what you're advocating for. Um, I think uh, as I was coming into this conversation before we started talking, I knew that you kind of had an idea of this and um, we talked a little bit about it and I was thinking through like, how exactly would this work? Would it have to be some type of like double blind scenario because of just the potentially fraught dynamics of identifying ourselves as people who have too much people who don't have enough and like where, how do we meet in the middle there? Does it need to be a double blind or a central pot that is like administered over? You're saying precisely the opposite. You're saying no, like it should be out in the open and we should have the trust and the, the ability to interface in that way. Yeah. Because otherwise it creates a dynamic of power that, um, there's the giver and the recipient, right? I'm calling for all. I'm calling for relation. I'm calling for community. And how does how does it, it being known and open not like reify the giver and recipient? Like, because what it what it does it. is if you actually submit yourself to the community, right? You're not making that decision then, right? Like you're calling upon, you know, the church, whatever that is, however that manifests itself, right? Whether it's the deacons or the pastors or a group of people would, would come to me or anybody else and say, you know, are you aware of this need in the community? Like, would you be able to, you know, we, we th- not, would you be able to, would you give, we think the, you should give, we think you should kind of share some money in this context. And if the church came to you, if Rodney or someone from the board or staff came to you and said, Hey, Ryan is really struggling in X, Y, Z ways. Could you lift him up and support him financially? Would I know that it was you financially supporting me? I don't know. I mean, you, you I, I, I don't know the, I, it, you could or you couldn't, right? That, that could be, I'm actually less concerned about the, the, um, um, idea of whether the recipient knows than I am about people, like, than I am about this being a, a, a whole circle, right? So for folks who have needs, we're partnering alongside with them, as I talked about earlier, to ensure that the reason why they have needs is being dealt with. The root causes, the structural right. issues are being dealt with. Yeah. And so the church needs to come alongside that. 
and deal with that. And in the meantime, there may be you know, economic support that is necessary for that household or that family. And I think we do a good job of allowing people who have needs to express those needs in our community. You know, we pray for them, we love them, we, we empathize with them, and we often give them money right give the, give them resources out of the out of the deacons fund but then when the deacons fund gets low you know somebody stands up front and says may the deacons fund's getting low or the counseling fund's getting low or this is getting low and then maybe somebody will give money to it nobody or not nobody very very infrequently do people come and say patrick you guys need to pony up some money right for the deacons fund right we know you have it right we're an open book, right? Like we we are a shared community. I mean, you would maybe do that in a different way, but like when you when you feel like you can come in your affluence to the church and be prayed for, and be said, yes, we will help you figure out a way to spend this abundance to further God's kingdom. It doesn't really matter to me whether, in the example you gave, um, um. Ryan knows that Patrick and Helena gave this money. What matters to me is that we've created a community where we're expecting people of affluence to come and be prayed for in their affluence, yeah. to share all those resources to further God's kingdom. Right. We don't have an issue necessarily being tapped into the need no. of those that are more materially poor. We're clued in, we're connected in that way as a church, generally speaking. We have a pulse on those needs. We have no sense or we're not acting on the knowledge of those in our community on, on the, the flip side of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's right. And, and I really do think that that's why, uh, to me, as I said earlier, the, the, the being a part of the church is so beautiful because you don't have to Everybody can do something, right? Um, and um, some of that something for many of us is sharing the abundance of material resources that we have. Um, and, you know, some of that something is uh, sharing time and sharing talent. And, you know, it's not just sharing money, right? There are all kinds of ways in which we enrich each other with a community as a community. But um, I, you know, this is just one area where we've adopted the, um, I don't know, the high walls of the world around money. And I want to lower those walls a significant bit and say, no, you know, we're all part of this. We're all, we're, you know, this is my family. You know, you don't like it's our money. It's our resources, my talents, those gifts that God has given me, the skills that I've developed and the money that this world has like said those skills are worth, right? All belong to God because I've turned my life over to God, right? And so um, how does that materialize? It doesn't just materialize in Helena and I making a decision about it, or it shouldn't, but that's how it seems to have manifested in our culture over time. And that's one of the things that I want to bring a structural lens to all those issues. Hmm. Yeah. So we want to lower those walls, which creates the possibility for resources to flow in different directions within the church. Right. And lowering the walls allows us to see more truly and clearly 
what's actually going on systemically in people's lives and finances so that we can address the structural systemic things that are oppressing and plaguing people. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll submit your considerations to the board. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've talked about this with the board a number of times. <laughs> well, it's out on the podcast now. So we are, we are generating conversation and, and putting this into the collective consciousness of uh, 70 to 100 listeners. Tens of people. Tens of people. If you're past, if you're at 112, when when can you say hundreds? Well, you have, you have, you have to be more than more than 200 to say hundreds. More you're still at tens. I'm still yeah. at tens. Yeah. Tens of people. Well, that's fine. This is a you know mustard seed endeavor. Um, yeah, I I I resonate deeply with what you're saying. Um, I I've always thought you know even just fighting for the truth and validity of some of these claims you're making would be important. Um, but yeah, beyond that, actually doing, doing it. Um, I think this conversation and publicizing it is a good step. Um, I think, hmm. Well, you I can think come individuals to the just starting to do this and sharing that they're doing it can, can help as well. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, if you're interested in deepening this conversation, you can come to the Bible and community series on okay. Sunday nights. Cause you know, I think, although I don't know, maybe, maybe they haven't agreed to this, that Helena and I are leading a number of sessions in September or in the mm. fall. Um, and what we're going to be talking about is those like that, the stuff in acts that you were talking about, like this kind of like, what does it look like to live uh, financially, biblically in community, right? You know, what does the Bible say about our money? Um, and um, I look forward to that conversation. So, so for those yeah, listening be, out there. It's going to be a 172-week series if we wanted to cover all the biblical material. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted your shameless plug. Go on. No, but if you want to, if, you, if you're interested in hearing more of the um, – uh, kind of absurdities of my mind um, and the group of people who've gathered on um, Sunday nights to look at the Bible in a number of contexts, uh, I would encourage folks to attend. Yeah, it's been the highlight of my year in a lot of ways, if for no other reason than getting to hear Patrick sit across the table from Joe Wanger, who works for PPL, <laughs> shutting people's utilities off. Um, just really interesting. <laughs> Love you, Joe. Um it's great. Uh, yeah, come to the Bible study. Uh, that's a good thing. But also, like, um, I think it's Ecclesiastes something that the the attending of many Bible studies is a weariness to the soul. Uh, at some point, you got to, like, do it. So I guess if you feel convicted by what Patrick is saying and you're on the side of um, I feel convicted about my abundance, then... Uh, my email address is on the website, pastorryan at harrisburgbic.org. You can talk to Patrick. You can message our, our, you know, our Facebook, however you want to do it, and say, I don't really necessarily know where to start. But I do feel convicted, and I would love to enter into a deeper sense of walking alongside somebody and sharing my finances with them for the long term um, and helping permanently uh, create substantive change and justice in their life. Um, if, if you feel convicted on that, then reach out and let's do it. 
and then we'll do another podcast about that. But uh, yeah, I would love for you to come for the Bible study, but also at some point, come on guys, like we got to close the Bibles and get up and, and do it. Um, and then as we are as a community being faithful in that, um, yeah, we can start to see transformation in our broader community and our city as well. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to work from inside out in that way, but I think it, it at the very least, we should be achieving this among the church and the people of God. Um, at the very least, there's no excuse. There's no reason that anyone in our church should not have enough. Um, when and I, I think guess by that same token, there's no reason why anyone in our church should have too much. Absolutely, and that's what the that's what the like in my mind, we the church has to look different than the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the place I deeply resonate with two kingdom theology is that the church has to look different than the world. And we are a model. We are a beacon of God's light into this world. And if we're going to be that, then we cannot look like that. We cannot look like the world. Right. So we have to share our abundance and the burden of that with, um, others and each other. Right. You know, and, um, Yeah. If the church is in a place where all need is met and no one has too much or too little, then heaven help us. Mm, Literally. Great. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, you're welcome.